Pastor Javen concludes the two-part series called To Be Continued. The work Jesus started didn't end after his resurrection. It was to continue. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit to his followers to be with us as we continue this journey. This week, we'll look at what it means to be open to receiving the Spirit in our life. So take a moment now and prepare your heart for today's service. We are concluding just the two-part series I started last week called To Be Continued. The premise, we're saying the kind of idea of why I'm calling it To Be Continued. Uh, the thought came to me, you know, before binge-watching, you know, and even they they brought this back kind of now, even in streaming, you would always have to wait a week sometimes to see the rest of the story on a show. Because if sometimes if that show was really good, you know, and you're into it and you realize that 30 minutes or an hour, however long that show was, it wasn't going to be solved in that time frame. And then those three words would pop up at the very end. And you're like, man, I've got to wait a whole week to find out what happens next. We, the thought is that, you know, when Jesus told his disciples that it is good for me to leave, it's actually to your advantage that I leave so that I can send another one who is like me to come and to be with you. All right. And he was sending us the Holy spirit. We saw Luke 24, 49 last week after Jesus death resurrection, he told his disciples, go to Jerusalem now and wait on the Holy spirit. And so they did that. And this was like their to be continued moment. It's like they were in anticipation waiting to see what is going to happen next in this endeavor. Because what Jesus did through his death and his resurrection, he was just beginning to move through his body and it was going to continue through his church. We said last week that Christianity is not a theory to master. It is a person to follow. And Jesus Christ gave us the Holy Spirit to help us walk with Jesus and follow him on this journey. We said that the Holy Spirit allows God's presence to become alive in us. It allows the mission to become personal to us. And it allows his power to work in and through us. We said we live victorious through the Holy Spirit. We continue the work of Christ with boldness through the power of the Holy Spirit. We love each other and live in unity together through the Holy Spirit. And that's why we need to constantly be filled with the Holy Spirit. We have to be willing to receive the Spirit in our lives. John Newton, who wrote the famous song, Amazing Grace. Most all of you probably know that song. He lived in the 1700s. He made this very powerful statement. He said, is it really true that that which the early church so depended on for success, the leadership of the Spirit, has become irrelevant to us today. Now, the Holy Spirit, I said this last week, he is a part of the Trinity. There's God the Father, the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. And he's not a part of the Trinity that we should neglect. We need to be open to the Holy Spirit and understanding who the Holy Spirit is in our life. We cannot minimize the Holy Spirit in our life. We also don't need to maximize anything as well. The Holy Spirit is not, and what I mean by that, it's not about emotionalism. It's not about drawing attention to oneself and putting the attention on you. The Holy Spirit was never about confusion. The Holy Spirit is not the author of confusion. I grew up Pentecostal. I am Pentecostal. I grew up under a lot of Pentecostal teaching. I went to school under uh, and, and studied under a lot of Pentecostal teaching. Um, it's interesting to me that some uh, pastors and speakers who do not come from that background, 
who come more from a background that would call themselves cessationists, meaning that the gifts of the Spirit, the operation of the Spirit is not existent anymore in the body of Christ, that you're beginning to hear them speak totally opposite of that. That the Holy Spirit is active in the church. And he is a part of the body of Christ. One such individual by the name of Francis Chan wrote a book called Forgotten God. He comes from that background. I would encourage you to read it. If, if you come from a background similar to him, I would encourage you to read it. Another pastor who comes from a background that's not, uh, not of that nature, he gives one of the most clearest teachings on the baptisms and the baptism in and of the Spirit that I've ever even heard. And he comes from a background uh, uh, that's more of a cessationist background. His name is uh, Robert Morse. He's the lead pastor of Gateway Church. So I would encourage you, I'm going to, I'll share a few things that actually, uh, from him, but uh, along with some other things that I have gleaned through the word of God throughout the years this morning, but I encourage you to go search it. You just Google, uh, Robert Morris receiving the Holy Spirit. It's a powerful teaching. And he goes into liking what we see in the new Testament with what happened in the old Testament and how you see the Trinity at work. And even the receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit at work in the old Testament in the temple. That is powerful. It's something I'd never noticed before, but if you didn't know today, it's called Pentecost Sunday. It's a tradition, a holiday, a celebration that is celebrated all throughout the church world. Pentecost literally means 50. It originated in the Old Testament. You had the Pentecost that took place. It was seven full weeks after the first harvest grain was planted, which would have been 50 days after that. They would celebrate Pentecost, and this would be a thanksgiving that they would have together for the harvest of God. Well, after Jesus died and and resurrected and he sent the disciples to wait in Jerusalem on the gift of his Holy Spirit, we see that 50 days after his resurrection on the day of Pentecost, Pentecost took on a new name. It took on a new meaning. It was the day that the Holy Spirit descended upon the disciples and the followers of Christ in that upper room. Now, a lot of times with believers, the Holy Spirit is limited to, I received the Holy Spirit When I got saved, the Holy Spirit is now living in me and he walks with me. And that is true. There's a truth to that. Absolutely. But there is more to the Holy Spirit. And I want to just share with you through the scripture today. If you're new to this, I just ask you to be open and hear and say, Holy Spirit, just speak to me and teach me. If this is a part of your life and you've grown up in this, I just ask you to continue. Holy Spirit, continue to teach me. Continue to show me through things. That's what I do every day. Holy Spirit, I want you to illuminate something new to me in my life today through your word. So let's just begin to look at this through scripture today as we see the Holy Spirit at work. Now, again, day of Pentecost, what happened, the the change of how Pentecost takes its meaning comes from Acts chapter 2. This is when the disciples were waiting in the upper room on the Holy Spirit to descend. They were there, they were waiting, and then all of a sudden they were filled with the Spirit. And Luke tells us in his book in Acts that when they were filled with the Spirit, they began to speak in tongues. And different people who were out there, who were there in Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost, began to hear these tongues taking place. And many of these people began to hear their tongue, the tongue from their nation, being spoken by these disciples and followers of Christ who were not their nationality. And so many were amazed by this. But Luke tells us also in Acts chapter 2 that many thought that those who were now receiving this Holy Spirit were crazy. He said they called them drunk. Right? Now, Peter, when all of this 
stir begins to take place, he steps out and begins to preach a message. Now, I want us to understand that nobody really cared about what Peter had to say before this day. Peter was on the run. Peter was hiding. Young girls were even confusing Peter to be one that was with Jesus and he was going to be arrested next. So nobody really was interested in what Peter had to say. But now all of a sudden, Peter steps out in this boldness and begins to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, what had just taken place through the power of his death and resurrection. And he begins to speak with boldness to the people there. So if you're in Acts, we're going to be in Acts. We're going to look at a few different verses. So you can jump into Acts with me if you have your Bible. But Acts chapter 2, I want you to notice what happens here after uh, Peter's teaching. Verse 37, it says this, Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Such a powerful question for any of us to ask when it comes to God and what he wants to do in our life. What, how do I need to respond to the teaching that I receive from God's word or from the one who teaches? And Peter replied to you, each of you, listen to what happens here. Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. That's a salvation. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So there's a threefold process that's going on there. And then he says, this promise is to you and to your children and to those afar off. I want us to understand that what, uh, what Peter is talking, it's a generational thing. He is saying it's for you, it's for your children, it's for the generations to come. In other words, it's not stopping. It's ongoing. It is an ongoing, continual promise that Jesus is offering to all those who would receive. And so now the gospel begins to spread and people begin to accept Jesus Christ for who he was through his death and his resurrection. And the disciples find out that now it's spreading into Samaria. So let's look and see what happens next in uh, Acts chapter 8, uh, verses 14 to 17. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. And as soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. Notice, they're new believers. They've received Christ. But they're also praying for them to receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. For they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now later we see, just a couple more chapters, we see where God begins to speak to a Roman guard who had become a follower of Christ. This guard's name was Cornelius. We see it in Acts chapter 10, verse 2. We see the description of Cornelius. It says, he was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. He was a believer in God. He was a follower of God. But God begins to speak to Cornelius and tell Cornelius that he needs to call for Peter to come to him. One of Jesus' disciples and apostles. Now, while God is talking to Cornelius, 
to tell him to call for Peter. Peter is on his roof and he has this moment where he begins to have a vision. And in this vision, basically what's happening is God is telling Peter, don't call anything unclean with which I have the ability to redeem. And Peter begins to realize that he's talking about the Gentiles, those who were not Jewish. Because to them in their day, the only follower of God was the one who was Jew. But Jesus was letting him know that what Jesus did was for everyone, not just the Jews. And so we see when Peter goes to visit Cornelius, I want to just jump ahead real quick, look at verse 28 in chapter 10 and see Peter's understanding of the vision he had. Peter told them, you know, it's against our laws for Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. See, this was the revelation that Peter's getting. It's also interesting to me, and I've not done a deep dive into this, but God speaks to Cornelius through an angel, which is a messenger. He speaks to Peter through his Holy Spirit. which to me is even more personal. But then Peter goes and he visits Cornelius and they have a conversation about all that has happened through Jesus Christ, about all that's now taking place through the apostles and through the, through the disciples. And notice what happens in verse 44 and 45. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. And the Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. So Cornelius, his household believers in God, followers of God, but now going even deeper and receiving a gift of the Holy Spirit. And notice now, we've noticed that the Holy Spirit was ongoing promise generation to generation, but now he's not just for one nation, he is for all. The Holy Spirit is a gift ongoing for every one. But I also want to just pause and just make sure and clarify here that we see as we're in this Acts journey, that there's these three experiences taking place. There is a salvation experience that happens when we become followers of Christ and when we give our lives to Christ. And we have what you could call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is when the Holy Spirit immerses us into a relationship with God through believing and becoming followers in Christ of what he's done for us and also immersing us and connecting us with the body of Christ. We saw last week, Romans chapter eight, Paul said that Jesus has given us a spirit that cries out from within us, Abba, Father. It recognizes we are children of God. I also want us to see what Paul says to his letter, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to 13. In the letter he wrote to Corinth, he said, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free, but we've all been baptized into one body by one spirit, the Holy Spirit. And we all share that same Holy Spirit in our life. Let's look at also what he told to the church of Ephesus in Ephesians chapter two. He said, he brought the good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the father through the same Holy Spirit. 
because of what Christ has done for us. The Trinity at work. And this is us having this baptism of the Holy Spirit where we become immersed into relationship with God the Father through what Christ did for us and immersed into the body of Christ. And then there is another baptism, which is what you have probably seen, maybe you've even experienced, the water baptism, where you have publicly expressed this salvation experience that you have in Christ. This was a a continuing fulfillment of what Jesus told the disciples to go and do, Matthew 28, verse 17. He told them, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, immersing them. And you would see this happen all throughout Scripture. People would be immersed in water to demonstrate and profess a public declaration that I am giving my life to Christ and I am becoming a disciple of Christ to grow in him. But then there's also that we are seeing so far in the book of Acts, a baptism in or with the Holy Spirit that comes through Jesus Christ. Look at what John the Baptist said, Matthew chapter three, verse 11. I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who's greater than I am. So much greater that I'm not even worthy to be a slave and carry his sandals. And he says, he will baptize you with or baptize you in the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, the gospels, the four gospels, they don't, all of them are unique in their account of Jesus And there's few things that they all share. This is one that they all reference. That John the Baptist spoke these words. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all four of them reference where John the Baptist spoke these words. And this is what we see happening in Acts and in the early church. Now let's go back to one more of these passages of scripture in Acts. This is with Paul. Paul is on, Paul took many missionary journeys is what they're called throughout the book of Acts after he gave his life to Christ and he received the Holy Spirit in his life. And on one of those journeys, he's leaving Corinth, he's going to Ephesus and he encounters some men and in Acts chapter 19, we see take place, starting at verse one. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. Believers, notice that. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? He asked them. No, they replied, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience? He asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. And Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus, what we just referenced. And as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. I believe the difference here is it is a place from going from just accepting a forgiveness of my sins to believing that I am now having that sin broken off of my life. And this is not something that I have to, like they did in the Old Testament, keep coming back to on a regular basis to have an atonement or forgiveness. The atonement was done through Jesus and Jesus can help me break that sin off my life. And then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy spirit came on them. They received the gift of the Holy spirit. Even they were, they were believers, but now they're receiving the gift of the spirit. And it says they spoke in tongues 
and prophesied. Now, the question that Paul asked in verse two is a very important question for us. He said, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Another way that we can word that is, are you receptive to the Holy Spirit? Receptive to all that he wants to do and give you in your life. And when these guys received the Holy Spirit, we see happen what causes many to be unreceptive because it's hard to understand And some are uncomfortable with what's happening. And that's when the believers spoke in tongues. And this is what we see happen in several of these occasions in the book of Acts. We didn't read the verse, but at Cornelius' house, this is what happened there as well. And this, I want to encourage you today in this regard. If this might be you, I want to encourage you. First, I want you to notice that Paul didn't ask them, did you speak in tongues? He asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is, there's so much more and so much deeper to the Holy Spirit. We have to understand that. We have to realize that. But them speaking in tongues is just what happened when they received the gift of the Spirit. But I want to just encourage you as well today to not let being uncomfortable with or not understanding completely the whole aspect of tongues keep you from receiving and being open to receiving the Holy Spirit in your life. Now, I want to to point out to you, I want to show you where Paul says that praying in the Spirit can be a benefit for our life as a believer. Romans chapter 8, verse 26, Paul writes this and he, he tells them these words. He says, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, when we don't know what God wants us to pray for, the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in our words. Now, he writes to the church of Ephesus in Ephesians, and he encourages them this way in chapter 6, verse 18. When he's talking about warfare, spiritual warfare, he tells them, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Now, is he talking about praying in the Spirit, meaning I'm praying in unison with the Spirit, as one with the Spirit? Maybe, but I believe it's more than that. Cross-reference that with 1 Corinthians, what he wrote to the church in 14, 15. He says, I pray in tongues. My spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I'm saying. Well, then what should I do? I will pray in the Spirit. Remember what he said in Ephesians chapter six, pray in the spirit on all occasions, but I will also pray in words I understand. I'll sing in the spirit and I'll sing in words that I understand. So he's encouraging them and showing them there's a benefit to this, to praying in the spirit. But I want to go on in this. Look at verses 16 to 19. For if you praise God only in the spirit, how can those who don't understand you praise God along with you? How can they join you in giving thanks when they don't understand what you are saying? If you will be giving thanks very well, but you will be giving thanks very well, but it won't strengthen the people who hear you. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. Basically, what Paul is saying in this portion of scripture is that when we are meeting together, we need to be edifying one another and to edify one another, we need to understand one another. Now, he does go on in that, and he says, don't forbid tongues. But the main thing when gathering together in the meeting is for us to edify one another. 
So the bottom line when it comes to this, because this is the big thing that causes people to say, well, I'm not sure I want to go any further with understanding the Holy Spirit. The tongues aspect, I want to encourage you. Don't let maybe not understanding everything or just being uncomfortable with it keep you from praying and saying, Holy Spirit, I want to receive more of what you have for me in my life. I want to receive you in my life. So there is a salvation that gives us a baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're immersed in a relationship with Christ. We're immersed into the body of Christ. There's a baptism in water that publicly expresses me as a follower of Christ. And then there's a baptism in or with the Holy Spirit in our life that gives us more of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in our life. And see, we want to believe and we want to accept Christ and what he did for us. But sometimes our problem is that we don't want to be led by the Spirit. Or we don't allow ourselves, rather, to be led by the Spirit. And the reason is, is because we're still being led by ourselves and by our flesh. But when we begin to follow Christ, our will, we have to understand this, our will is not removed. As much as we wish it was, our will is not removed. Our will has to be disciplined to come alongside our Father and be disciplined to express the will of the Father. And Paul teaches us all throughout his letters that the Spirit knows the mind of the Father. And the more we're led by and filled with the Spirit, the more we begin to walk in tune with the Father and what He wills in our life. Willfulness, willfulness, our willfulness must decrease, cease, and basically die if we are to walk in the fullness of Christ. John the Baptist gave us a picture of this when he said, I must decrease, he must increase. This was a picture of what we would have to do as followers of Christ. My will has to constantly decrease so that his will in me can increase through the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus sent to work into my life. Watchman Nee made this statement. He said, real greatness rests not on how much we have, but on how much we have lost. Authentic life can be seen only in the abandonment of self. See, the Holy Spirit is just as much about who he wants us to be as much as he is about what he wants us to do. And we have to take ourselves out of a leadership position and let him lead us. And that's a daily journey and a daily choice in our life to allow him to do this and to not have a divided heart. But it happens. I mean, even Paul, who was filled with the Spirit, who walked in the empowerment of the Spirit, read Romans chapter 7. He shows you and tells you there is a constant war at in you with what your flesh wants to do and what the Spirit wants to do in you. Why do I keep doing the things I don't want to do and the things I want to do I don't do? It's a battle, but the spirit working in you will continue to help you grow. Listen, Jesus followed the spirit even up to the cross. Jesus died on the cross, but that same Holy Spirit resurrected him. We have to journey with the spirit to a place of death. But when we do, the Holy Spirit will raise us into new life in Christ. He'll lead us to put to death things and he'll raise us to new life. And if we are led by the spirit, we will be producing a fruit that represents the spirit. The spirit will never lead us to make a name for ourselves. The spirit will never lead anyone to get the glory. We have to always remember that the fruit of the spirit 
is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit. And we are, when we are doing what we talked about last week from Ephesians, where Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus to be uh, constantly be allowing ourselves to be filled with the Spirit, and as we are filled with the Spirit, this is the fruit that will be represented in our life. There are gifts that the Spirit gives us to operate in, but this is the fruit that is represented in us. So as we close out, as we finish, I just very quickly want to share with you a few ways we were led by the Spirit. One of those ways, Paul wrote to Timothy and he told him that all of God's Word is inspired. It's breathed by God through His Spirit. And it is there for teaching us. It prepares us and equips us for all that God has called us, all the work God has called us to do. One of the ways we are led by the Spirit is the Holy Spirit will illuminate God's Word and give us more understanding of the truth of God's Word. Look what Paul wrote to the church of Corinth, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 12. We have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so that we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us, so that we can have an understanding. Look at what John said in 1 John uh, chapter 2, verse 27. You have received the Holy Spirit. He lives within you, so you don't need anyone to teach you what's true. The Spirit teaches you everything you need to know. And what he teaches is true. It's not a lie. So just as he has taught you, remain in fellowship with with Christ. The Spirit teaches you. The Spirit opens His Word. And even when someone like myself or another pastor shares from God's Word, the Holy Spirit can illuminate that Word personally in your life. And you should. And you should ask the Holy Spirit to do that. So we are led by the Holy Spirit when He illuminates and shows us more from God's Word. We are led by the Spirit when we worship, when we pray, and when we fast. Look at this example, Acts chapter 13, verse 2. One day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Dedicate Barnabas and, Paul and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. In other words, as you worship, as you pray, as you spend time fasting, you are getting closer to the Father, and you're allowing the Spirit to work in your life and through your life, and He will lead you and direct you in your life. We are led by the Spirit through His illumination of God's Word and God's truth. We are led by the Spirit when we worship, when we pray, when we fast. And we are also led by the Spirit when we are part of the body of Christ together. Remember we looked at 1 Corinthians 12. We talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're immersed in relationship with God into the body of Christ. Look at what he said in that same passage in verses 4 to 7. There's different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. This is what this body has been about for as long as I can remember. I grew up in this church. I've been a part of this church for all but about seven years of my life when I went to college and then worked somewhere else for a couple of years. But as long as I've always been a part of this church, this church has always been about believing that the Holy Spirit is active in our life and wants to be a part of our life. And he has a gift for us to help 
each other. Paul references the gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He references them also, also in Romans chapter 12. He references gifts of the Spirit in Ephesians chapter 4. You can go and you can study those. And you look at those and you say, well, what gift do I have? How do I know what gift I have? You know, there's different ways that people have gathered to try to help maybe start you along understanding what the Spirit may have for you in your life. There's spiritual gift tests that are out there that you can take and you can see. I would encourage you just spend time with God and discover what He has in you and what He's placed in you and how the Spirit may empower you even more through that and begin to just step out in obedience to Him and for Him. But God has given you a gift for His mission. And we need each other because we need what the Spirit has in each other. If we disconnect ourselves from the church, we're disconnecting ourselves from the Spirit of God because the Spirit works through the body. We are led by the Spirit when we are a part of the body together. So on this Pentecost Sunday, I would basically ask you the two questions that were asked that we saw in Acts today. Well, I would have you ask one and then I would ask another. One question is, what do I do? The first thing is just what Peter talked about on that day of Pentecost. If you've never repented of your sin and truly made yourself a follower of Christ, and said, I don't want to just say I've been forgiven. I want to see sin broken off my life. And I want to become a follower of Christ. Then do that. Repent. If you've never made it public through baptism, do that. But I would also ask the question that Paul asked. Did you receive, are you receptive to the Holy Spirit working in and through your life? to always remember the same way that we receive salvation is through faith. It's not through feelings. It's through faith. It's the same way we receive the Holy Spirit. It's by faith. It's not about feelings. It's about faith. Stand with me this morning. The praise team is going to come and we're going to close in a moment of worship. And here's what I'm just going to encourage you to do. If you've never received or began your life as a follower of Christ, I encourage you today to repent. I can lead you in a prayer. And I believe that there's nothing wrong with that. But I like to encourage people to make the prayer personal. And just repent on your own and in your own words that God, to seek Him to forgive you of the sin in your heart, the sin in your life, and ask Him to free you and to give you a new life in Him. And if you're here today and you're saying, you know, I don't know if I have received everything the Holy Spirit wants to give me. 
Maybe I haven't been open. Maybe I just haven't understood. I just simply ask you this today as we worship to spend time worshiping him and praying and saying, Holy Spirit, I want to be open to you. I want to be open to what you would have for me and for my life and what you want to do in me, the more that you want to give me. I want to be more hungry for you. And just allow the Holy Spirit to just begin to fill you. Believe that the Holy Spirit is filling you and filling your life. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day and for this moment. And I pray through the power of the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit that resurrected Jesus Christ from the dead. That you would just move in our hearts and our lives today. Father, for those in here today that maybe have never taken the step to say, my life needs to take a 180. I need to make a complete change in my life. And I want to start that change by giving my life to God and believing in Jesus Christ and what he did for me and become a follower of Christ today. Father, I pray that they will find a new freedom today in Jesus. And Father, I pray today for those that are open and want to receive more of you and your Holy Spirit and the promise that was given to us that Jesus would baptize us in and with the Holy Spirit and with the power of your fire, of your power, God. I pray today that we would just open our hearts and say, Holy Spirit, we are receptive to you. And Holy Spirit, I ask today that you would begin to move and fill their hearts and their lives today as they worship you, as they seek you. open to you, Spirit. And we ask you to move in Jesus' name. If you need prayer in any way today, we would love for you to reach out to us. You can go to our website, bwccanbin.com, go to our contact page. You'll find a link there to uh, request prayer or send us anything that you uh, would like to communicate with us today. Or you can also simply text the word prayer to 803-676-7566. And we will be back in touch with you to find out how we can be in prayer for you. God bless you. We hope that you have a great week.